Hi, welcome to C. Myers Live. I'm Charlene Leland. I'm a vice president at C. Myers Corporation. And I'm Rob Johnson, president and a principal here at C. Myers. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. Um, you know, we thought it would be a really good time to, to talk about liquidity. And what's interesting, you know, uh, Rob and I were talking about this and we have not had liquidity be a big topic for the industry since um, about early 2020. It was right before the pandemic. So as 2019 closed out and we went into 2020, it was clear that many balance sheets were getting pretty tight on the liquidity and uh, things, you know, rates had been going up. And, and so that was a big topic of conversation that we were starting to have. And then, boom. <laughs> it was suddenly the opposite as lots of deposits flowed into institutions. And so we're circling back to that to think about it because things are changing again. Um, the savings rate is dropping off. We know that inflation is high. Rates are going up. And so you know, the, 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 envi the environment is on the move. And so this is a great time to, to really start thinking about it again. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and since it's been a while since people have, you know, for some, you know, they've still been having liquidity as a topic. But as you said, most of them is what do we do with all this excess liquidity? But, you know, as the environment changes, one thing that the last couple of years has taught us is to be ready for the unexpected. And that as the environment keeps changing, we need to be ready. We need to be thinking about these things. If you feel that you're in really good position, then fantastic. What can you do with that really good position? How do you find opportunities in this environment? But before we dig into thinking through liquidity, let's define a couple things because when people talk liquidity, um, it conjures up different images as to different periods of time even. So for example, there are those who say, oh, I'm, I'm having to do some borrowings for liquidity and it might be just a 24 hour item or 72 hours. So you have that, that immediate liquidity, just timing happening there, but not, not a big deal, you move on. Then you have those that focus on, we'll call it the short term, the 30 to 60, maybe 90 days, looking at daily, weekly liquidity patterns, making certain that they're okay. Then you get to the, the near to intermediate term. We're gonna define that more as scanning over the next year, maybe, maybe going out 18 to 24 months, depending on the time frame that's relevant for you. But that's a pretty important area where we're gonna focus a lot of our attention today because that area impacts some of your pricing strategies. It can impact profitability potential in light of all those changes that Charlene was talking about on inflation. And then what we're not going to spend much time on, it's not because it's not important, but it's a whole topic all on its own, is those some of those longer term threats, see long term changes that are happening with crypto, potential shifts for central bank digital currency, payments infrastructure and what's happening there are a lot of fast changes that can also impact the long-term liquidity but we're going to focus today on that near to intermediate term yeah and and, and i think that i i want to say also that you might be listening to this and thinking what we're still flush with liquidity um this is uh th that's not our situation and yet we are talking to a lot of places out there that are starting to get a lot tighter on liquidity. So when when you start to see the environment shift, even if it's not your particular situation, this is a great time to be paying attention to it. Yeah, it changes it, that competition. It changes really some of it isn't about 
can you survive liquidity pressure? Now that, of course, you you want to make certain that you can, and for some, that can be pressure. But really, set that aside to get to the cost of liquidity. The cost of money is going up, and there are so many conversations where people say, "Yeah, but I have plenty of liquidity, so I'm not going to raise my rates." And what you know, I, I don't need to. I don't need to do it. But that starts to change when competition changes. Absolutely. And so the thing is, is this presents different opportunities depending on your situation. And it's it's a great time to be thinking about what are those opportunities that can come up and which ones do you want to take advantage of? Yeah, so for those that have excess liquidity, this is where you could look and say, is this an area that you could be more aggressive on loan rates, really trying to lock in some more lending, generate some more relationships? revenue on that front you know maybe even um kind of undercutting some others that that might not have as much flexibility on that now there are trade-offs and you need to understand your risk because while we're dealing with all this inflation there's still talk about recession so you know if you're deciding to come in under market or to buy more on the lending front right now then really don't don't do it from a pure sense of optimism that prices will always keep going up because there are some signs that say that that can change. So build that into your information set, but there can be some opportunities to still, of course, beat investment yields and grab some market share. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think what, what you said is so important, Rob, that there's a lot of other, there are a lot of other moving pieces going on right now. So keeping those front and center, if you think about the you know, the focus on asset growth for a lot of places that's a lot of institutions that is one of their major KPIs, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what would you say to to those places right now is, you know, how does this situation change that or how might it change the way they look at those all important KPIs? Yeah, I think um, I think some of what it comes down to is there are a lot of places that have asset growth or deposit growth. Remember, they're kind of pretty connected you know, the deposit growth and the asset growth as one of their, you know, main KPIs. But it's what kind of growth are you getting? What kind of growth are you trying to create? And just a reminder, and it it's interesting for each institution to look back at, at their own structure to see what happened the last time rates went up. Now, there, the most recent time was that 2018-2019 period of time that you were talking about that you kicked us off with. And what was happening is there are a lot of places that were having to raise money market rates. They were raising certificate prices and certificates were becoming a bigger part of their structure. At the same time, some more places are starting to borrow, but they were borrowing at higher rates, which gets back to that. Yes, maybe we were still growing, but that cost of growing, that mix of growing was higher. And it becomes more dramatic if you look at the previous rate peak. And the previous rate peak happened right before the Great Recession. And look back in your history and the industry's history at 2006, 2007. And there you saw for many that certificates became their largest source of funding. And then for others, it was a lot more on borrowings. And some of those core deposits weren't as core as a lot of times we like to say that they are. And so while liquidity from an overall liquidity front is places where you're still able to grow that mix of growth that cost of growth was really different and watching some of that because the other reality is 
if you start locking in more funds right now at higher rates, there is still a chance that rates can head back down. So keep both of those directions, not just what am I paying up for right now, but is it one of those situations where it's going to come up and then head back down? And could I regret locking in too much money at higher rates that then that could squeeze my earnings if things drop back off? Yeah, and I think that can be a, a one of the dangers of um, uh, maybe over the last several years, stakeholders have thought of asset growth as being a, and, and high deposit growth as being just the norm, the new norm now. And and it's thought of as a generally a good thing, which it, it can be a very good thing. But yeah, that looking at what well, as as the environment changes, what is the cost of of that growth? And is that really what you still want? So again, just reevaluating those things that have seemed now for what, you know, two, three years have seemed like like normal and it, it's changing. Yeah. Which let's let's then talk about, you know, you mentioned Charlene earlier that this is impact, you know, that different places have different positions for liquidity right now. And right. there are those saying, oh, yes, this is incredibly topical for me. And those saying, what are you talking about? But we mentioned competition and and some of the sources. What what's interesting is that growth that you're talking about. And oh, growth has gone pretty easy the last couple of years. A lot of places have had, you know, really fast, you know, record levels of growth. But a lot of that was some of the environmental reasons. There was a stimulus. There was people weren't able to spend as much. You know, all these different things that we've all have talked about over the last couple of years. And reminding ourselves that that led to a lot of this growth. And now we're dealing with high inflation, which is starting to be the pressure on the other side of when people have all this extra money sitting there and the consumer has extra money. Well, then they're saying, I want to now spend it. I want to buy things. And that's creating this inflation pressure along with the supply chain challenges. So we have the supply and demand challenges there. Well, why is this important? Well, for some, what's interesting is you can look at two structures that have very similar balances. Maybe maybe they both have high you know, loan to asset or loan to deposit ratios. And so very similar size, very similar mix of items, but how they got their growth over the last couple of years is very different. You know, was your growth, you know, when we've studied for some institutions, almost 100% of their growth came from the average balance of their accounts going up, that they did not increase the number of accounts very much at all. So pretty much let's call it flat number of accounts and almost all average balance going up. Others had very fast growth too. Of course, average balances went up for them also, but they found that it's been, you know, about 50-50 or 60, 40, that they've added a lot of accounts and the number of accounts as they've expanded different relationships, as they have more people coming to them as a solution, that they have more accounts and those accounts have grown in average balance. Well, the reason I bring this up is those two institutions, even with the same balance sheet mix, actually their source of growth and drilling in a little bit more is pretty important because those that have been growing the accounts, growing the relationships, they might be insulated a little bit more against some of the changes that might happen coming up than those that it was all average balance and they weren't growing accounts. And so now there are reasons why with inflation, average balance could be depleted. Yeah, and I mean, it even goes deeper than that. You know, when you when you think about 
okay, if average balances were growing, and think about who the customers are, what's the customer base like? Because if it's a bunch of accounts that are, you know, went from an average of $400 to $1,000, think about uh, their situation and how they might need to be spending their money differently now, as opposed to if, if there were a lot of accounts that were, that went from 50,000 up to 75,000. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're just, they're probably people that are in different situations and they're spending their, the way that they're shopping and spending may be very, very different. That's just such an important strategic piece, but I love this drilling a little bit deeper to see, well, can we start to understand what their, what our, our customers' situations are so that we can understand how they might respond as the environment changes? Oh, so important because, you know, studying that customer member base and knowing those distributions as to where the growth is and those the movement and those balances that you're talking about, because unfortunately, inflation can be very brutal, especially to those who are tighter on the income and the less savings. And so those people who had moved from four hundred dollars in their account to a thousand those are the those are much more vulnerable to inflation starting to eat through that very quickly. The cost of groceries going up, the cost of gas, the cost of clothing, some of those necessities can really start to tear through that extra savings that has been built up. Where the consumer who now in their accounts it went from fifty thousand to seventy five thousand, inflation might be irritating, but it's it's not necessarily going to change your lifestyle as much and create as much of a liquidity risk in it as you look at some of their proportions of discretionary income, then it it might have some minor shifts, but very different experiences, even if the total dollar growth was the same, it's just that, you know, one place has tens of thousands of smaller accounts, another place has, you know, less accounts that are much larger. Well, those two places could look similar balance sheet wise. But of course, understanding those demographics, there are some opportunities and exposures as to what those different needs will be. So how do you position yourself and what can that do to liquidity and also to the earnings coming up? You know, so I think as you look at that, recognize one thing is you first know your situation. You know, do some more of that drill down that we're we're talking about. What do we what exposures do we see? What what different groups do we have? What, how could this impact them with higher rates, higher inflation? But then recognize that the place across the street that you might be competing with might be in a very different situation. And so yeah, yeah if they start raising their rates because they need it, now what do you do? Do you still sit there and say, I have excess liquidity, we'll let them keep going up higher and higher, or does that start to put pressure on you? Yeah, or how long can you continue to do that? There, there might be a time period, but then as like we talked about earlier, things can change really quickly, right? Um, so we we do hear that a lot. A lot of places will say, you know, we just don't need to take our rates up uh, the way they were, you know, be uh, back in the 2006 time frame when when we really had to increase our rates. It's different this time. We have a lot more liquidity going into it, and that might be true, but it can it can certainly change fast. Yeah, and I think that concept of it's different this time we have more liquidity is true, but you're also having more pressure and more competition. Let's 
let's look at the environment compared to even just a few years ago, and especially compared to a decade ago when rates were higher, that the situation is it is most everyone is much more digital. Most people can see their account balances on their phone. They can see their rates. They get a lot of instant advertising as they're looking for things. And the friction to move money from one place to the next, I'm not going to call it zero friction, but it is a lot less friction than there had been. Right. You don't have to drive easier. anywhere. <laughs> you do not have to drive anywhere. You can still do it in your pajamas now is moving to another place to say, oh, uh, this can beat it out or I'm at least gonna move this money over to this great CD rate. And so that starts to change this. So it's, you might have more liquidity, but you also have more competition. And that, that competition is a traditional competition that might have a different situation or mix of what their growth has been like. And the non-traditional competition that of course is really looking for some of these relationships. So keeping some of that in mind is really important right now. Yeah, and I, I think that keeping eyes open and watching, because as we said, things can change quickly, but not get taken by surprise and thinking through ahead of time, well, what are some of the levers you can pull? Um, if you find yourself in a situation where, gee, it's changing quickly and I need to do something a little bit different. Yeah, uh, you know, one of the areas, of course, is, you know, most places have different assets that they could sell. The challenge right now is they won't like the price as much as rates have gone up over, you know, so far this year, then looking to sell either loans or, you know, typically more likely selling investments. Those are normally going to be coming at a loss, which then shifts more to, well, maybe a borrow and I use those assets as collateral, but borrowing rates are a lot higher. You know, with borrowing rates for a while, you could borrow pretty easily under 1% and no problem, but now, depending on your term, if you want to lock in for really much of any kind of length and you're you're paying, you know, 3% or more. So that starts to increase that cost of that liquidity that we we're talking about. And and as you are watching that, that's also reminding you that that's why some of those deposits that you have are attractive to others. And so there's going to be some more competition to try and pull some of that away in this environment because it's still relatively cheap funding when you look at most of the deposits out there. So what will that do to your pricing philosophy? How are you going to need to respond? And do you recognize that some of that money might leave? And you have to decide, do you chase it back in? Do you replace it with something else? Do you let some of that money go because of the overall profit potential of some of the money going, but keeping your rates lower? And that circles back to those KPIs that we mentioned earlier is is hitting a certain growth percentage about hitting that growth percentage. What's it do then to the earnings side of things and what it, what's more important to you? And then what's your longer term objective as to what kind of relationships are you trying to build and what are you trying to be known as? And, you know, that's this is going to test some of those strategies and the brands as to what are you known as right now? Yeah, I, th I think thinking through this ahead of time with the major stakeholders so that before you have to pull the trigger on something that might be less than palatable to some of the folks, that, that they've also gone through the thought process and said, yeah, you know what, if that happens, this this would make sense. It makes it a lot easier to um, make those decisions and execute when you need to. Yeah, 
do some quick exercises as just kind of rough gut checks on those strategies and that philosophy because it's easy to say oh we have that excess but then if you were to say look this this competitor is this many basis points paying this many basis points higher than us because maybe they need the liquidity and you don't mm -hmm. so they're paying up and you saw five percent outflow of your of certain deposits or of your deposits is that okay yeah. or yeah. or even if even if you didn't see the outflow but or you didn't care about the outflow but you have reputation risk now now people are talking about oh this place is they're kind of they're a lousy deal right yeah and you know what's interesting is you while you might get sometimes more feedback and responses in certain surveys potentially and um, some places have better success ratios of that versus others but it used to be for a lot of institutions that they would hear about it in the lobby but there's not as much happening in the lobby for some places these days so are you checking your feedback are you making sure that you're having your finger on the pulse of what people are saying and thinking so really watching and it's going to be important to be on top of your data on some of this too is when you see a you know if you see balances get reduced is it because people are having to spend more and it's that inflation side of things keep in mind if people are having to spend eight percent more because of inflation then that by itself is going to cause more deposit outflow because okay. the deposit rates are very very low still so they're earning less than one percent but they're having to spend eight percent more for the things that they're buying then by itself that does create a lot of pressure for deposits to decrease and it makes it a lot harder of course for you to grow your deposits and so looking at is it that they're spending more are they you know are their outflows heading towards crypto and other things like that or is it going to other institutions where maybe you know they're liking the rates more there so really watching some on that front on the deposit side while of course then saying how are we positioned for some of the lending opportunities because for some people in this market if they think inflation is going to stay higher then they're going to be looking to buy the loan right now buy the auto right now buy the house right now because i'm afraid it's going to keep mm -hmm. getting more expensive so for some this can also mean some more lending right now and that's where the liquidity can be extra important is are you positioned because you want to every time those opportunities are coming up where people are wanting to buy things you want to be there for them and that's where a lot of that profit potential can be for institutions as institutions are getting ready for what may come on the liquidity front and they think about the different levers that they might pull we would always recommend run run some what ifs in your model and see what it looks like ahead of time so that you can get get a sense of that. Um, you can you can model what if you have to increase your deposit rates higher than you thought? What does that look like? Uh, how quickly does that start to change things for you? What if you sell some investments and, you know, you, depending on whether you're going to have to you may have to sell them at a loss. So that's an important factor right now. What if you what if you sell your new production? that comes in and then again there's that you know at what rate are you making those loans so how you know how does that factor into the to the whole thing or what if you slow down production what if you just say if you're tight on liquidity and you say well well i'm just going to do less or uh, different ways you might borrow different terms and and uh, different types of borrowings you might take on so if you look at those things ahead of time and start to think through then it can make it clearer when the 
when the future does arrive and, and things start to move in a way that you might not have expected. Well, thanks for listening with us today and joining us. Um, we've enjoyed talking about this and we hope you have a great day. Thank you. Thanks.